From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. Uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with a cool ant that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like He thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by the delightful Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? We're trying to sound peppy because we just figured out about 10 minutes ago that we think we're both getting sick. <laughs> so, Which is or so funny. Are sick, <laughs> or are actively sick, right? And are just, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's one of those sicks that you're like, am I sick? Am I not sick? Am I coming down with something? I don't know. I don't well, feel like myself, but am I sick? Right? Well, when you get in your head. Yeah, you get, but I, I feel like I get in my head because I'm like, really? Am I Am I really sick? No, I'm not sick. I'm going to go and work out. And I'm going to get on my desk treadmill and I'm going to like do like five miles and oh, oh, wait, wait, that wasn't a great idea. I really am sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, now and I need I go, to lay down for the rest of the day. And I go the opposite direction. I go, I feel like crap. What's wrong with me? And then I try to rest. But at the same time, I'm like, if I'm not sick, then I just get mad at myself for being lazy. I'm like, oh, I could have gotten so many other things done. So actually, I've been what? I've been really tired, run down, not feeling good, nauseous, headache. And there's been a lot of weird weather in Phoenix right now. So it's like, maybe it's that. We've had really busy mm-hmm. last two weeks. Maybe it was that. But in talking to you that we have the exact same symptoms, I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. We're probably sick. Yeah, it could be. And I was going to say, what are our bobs? doing to us. Right? The voices in our head when they're shaming us for being lazy. What are they thinking? Bob needs to go get a vacation. They're so mean. They're I so know. mean. And if you're new to the No Guilt Mom podcast, Bob is that inner voice in your head that's constantly shaming you and telling you what you're doing wrong. And again, every time I hear it, I, I see the the Mucinex monster guy with the nasty hat oh, really? and the cigar stick out of the mouth. Phlegm? Yes, <laughs> I see the phlegm. That's my Bob. That's what Bob looks like. And he's living rent-free in my head. And that is so not fair. So not fair. Time to evict him. Yes, time Take to evict him. him out to the curb. He does not get squatter's rights. He's out of there. Exactly. It needs to happen. Exactly. Well, today we are, we're talking about how to deal with someone who's defensive, which is such a a needed topic, I think, because a lot of times we avoid conflict and really hard conversations because the other person immediately fights back and we're afraid 
of that fight. And it's almost easier just not to have the conversation to begin with instead of fighting back. We hear this a lot in our Balanced VIP program, coaching with people's husbands, people's partners, things they don't want to discuss or they're fearful of discussing because their husband fights back and is like, well, I've had a really hard day or anything along those lines. And another big one that's popped up a lot lately in our Balanced community, dealing with tweens and teens. They are super... It feels like they are super defensive. Like it's nothing worse than feeling like you have to walk on eggshells around your own child. I mean, that's hard. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the fact too that you run into people like in your workplace. Whenever I worked in an office environment, which I didn't always have an office environment because I did a lot of grant funded work. And you know, if you ever worked in a grant, sometimes it's just two of y'all. Sometimes it's just one of Mm you. But anyway, sometimes you have those people in the office too, right? That you're just like, you don't want to say anything to them because you know it's going to be a huge thing. Yeah. Nothing gets And it gets really hard. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It gets hard and you hold these feelings in. And as with feelings, they will find another way to come out, (laughs) whether it's an explosion or most often what I see, it's passive aggressiveness. Because especially like, say the older generation, you know, our parents' age, they weren't really taught to express their anger fully. They were taught Mm -hmm. to hold it in. And you see a lot of passive aggressive behavior about, oh, you don't really love me. Oh, if you did this, why aren't you doing this for me? Like instead of actually saying needs or having tough conversations, it still comes out. It still comes out in a way that's unproductive. It's still emotional manipulation, no matter which way you turn it. But I I was going to say that passive aggressive, though, can be explosive, too. Like, have you ever been around somebody Mm -hmm. that starts slamming things around? Like, slamming shut cabinets and like, oops. (laughs) Like, oops, what happened? Sorry, I didn't mean to like hit you. You were just, I just brushed you as I walked by. Meanwhile, you just, you got flung into the wall. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> Meanwhile, I accidentally flung you into the wall. <laughs> Meanwhile, so sorry. he's describing like low-key domestic violence here, but it's saying that is passive-aggressive <laughs> behavior. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's so true that all of this results from just not wanting to have a hard conversation. True. And so today we're going to give you some tips on how to minimize that person's defensive behavior and to have that conversation go on a better path. So let's get on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. So when we have to approach someone who's defensive, it's really scary. Like it's really, really scary. I used to be so afraid to approach people in my workplace, especially when I was a teacher. I mean, I've told the story about the upstairs boss where one of the teachers was telling my teammate that calling me an upstairs boss. And I never confronted her about it because I was always afraid she would turn the issue back on me. And to be like, well, you did this and you did that. And then I'd have to come from a place where I have to defend myself when we're really talking about her behavior. 
And I didn't have these skills then. And so I just never talked to this woman. And I ended up talking a lot behind her back. And we ended up complaining about her in the lunchroom. And it just took so much emotional energy. Right? I think that's another good point. When you're dealing with somebody that you feel is going to immediately start throwing daggers at you, because that's how I feel like it is. I I feel like I'm in the matrix and I'm doing that, trying to like avoid all the things that they hurl at me. It's really hard when it's somebody that either A, like you just said, that you have to work with and they're not going anywhere and you're not going anywhere. B, mm-hmm. also within that that work environment, this could come back on you professionally. But C, yeah. also somebody that you love, that you have an emotional tie to, that hurts in a whole different way. And it makes it scarier mm-hmm. in a whole different way because that fear of rejection that can be hiding underneath the whole thing makes it really, really hard for you to be able to move forward. But like you said, we've got some really great tips today to help you walk slowly down that path and gain that confidence in your skills. And to be perfectly honest, that fear of rejection is so real because I used to not bring up problems with my husband because I was afraid that he would bring up problems with me and then he'd be like, fine, like you don't love me, I'll just leave. Like it would escalate to that in my head. In my oh, yeah. head, it would. I think, um, okay, hands and of course it wasn't reality. Like, yeah. Hands yeah. in podcast land. I'm pretty sure there's quite a few that can shake their head and be like, oh yeah, there's a conversation I didn't have because I was afraid the person was going to come back and be like, you know what? I don't need you. And yeah. Oh my God. Exactly. <laughs> like at work too, when I was a teacher, I wouldn't have conversations with my principal or coworkers because yeah. I was afraid I'd go to my principal and they'd be like, okay, well you can just leave. Right. It's fine. You can go. Yeah. Like that's what I would think. Yeah. And it wasn't anything having to do with them so much as me being afraid of the conflict and not having enough confidence in my own abilities to manage the situation without crying. That was another thing. When I approach conflict, I would want to cry if somebody came back at me and criticized me because it was mm-hmm. so, the self-confidence was so low. It was so low. So <sighs> if you feel that way right now, know that you're not stuck with that your entire life. And, and, uh, and this you're is why not, we're here for you. Right. And you're not alone. Again, I think that a lot of people that know me from my life and you as well would think that we are so high in confidence and that we don't struggle with this at all. Oh my God, we so do. Or so have. Oh my gosh. So yeah, you're not alone. And like, before we get into this defensiveness conversation, I also think like it's worth noting how many conversations you and I have in the workplace when we get upset. Because people come up to us and be like, oh, it must be so great working like with one of your best friends. And it totally is. It totally is great. But there's this other layer that people do not talk about when you have to negotiate a friendship with a workplace environment. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So Bri, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue and there's railroad tracks, like streetcar tracks. And my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing 
with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And (laughs) active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order, use code NOGUILT. Hey all, it is Joanne and Bree here and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's understood explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Right. And thankfully, like you and I are both pretty open with each other. And we have a lot of teary phone calls where we get very upset, but we work through it and we come out the other end. I think it really helps what we do here at No Guilt Mom in general to be able to do that. (laughs) But it also helps the fact that, like, again, we we have known each other for so long that we can do that. But like, you just you said it like there's a rule a lot of people have. Don't work with friends and don't work with family because it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really, it really hard. hard. It's worth it. <laughs> it <laughs> unless <laughs> you are willing to have the tough conversations. Yes. Yeah. And the other person is also willing to have the tough conversations. And you come together and meet an agreement. And that's how it works. So the first thing you do when you have to have a conversation with someone, maybe it's your tween or teen, because I know a lot of people talk about walking on eggshells around them. Mm -hmm. And you know they're going to be explosive. First, you need to check your own motives. You need to figure out, okay, what do I want to happen from this conversation? Is it that I want to, you know, create expectations in the house about how a certain chore should be done? 
or how I expect my teen to behave in a situation. Maybe they're going out with friends and you really need to have that discussion Mm -hmm. versus do I want to make sure I'm right? Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, (laughs) Miguel and I were just talking about that last night. We have a couple of little eggshell type situations that we're working on with our kids right now. Like, And he kept referring to, yeah, but... I think he wants to be right. And I'm like, but why does it have to be right? Why are you focusing on that so much? That seems like a weird motive to me. But you're right. That's Mm -hmm. a big one. I think I do that a lot when I'm dealing with my teen daughter. Because again, I feel like we're so alike a lot of times. I need to check myself. I need to start doing this a little bit more of a mental checklist of, are you talking to her because of a good reason or because you just want to be right and you want her to acknowledge that you're right? Yeah. And you know what? You might be right in the moment. And I get into these situations too. And the only reason I've been able to let it go is because I know I know all this information. And you listening to this podcast right now, you're going to know this information too. Sometimes when my teen is fighting with me and I'm like, oh, she just wants to be right in this moment because it's going to cause her to lose a little bit of face if she's yeah. not right in it. Yeah. I will totally let it go in the moment. I will let it go. And I'll be like, mm, let's let's just talk about this later. Cool. Right. And then she'll stomp off down the hallway and she'll slam the door. But then usually what happens with my daughter, like a few hours later, maybe a day later, she'll come to me and be like, I'm sorry. (laughs) And she'll know how her emotions got out of control. But letting her have that right in the moment helps a lot. Yeah. I think that's a good point. So again, check your motives. Why are you wanting to have this conversation? That's a huge, huge one. Yes. And the second part is to notice when the conversation turns. And this is the point where I think that if we start paying attention to how the other person is receiving the information, we can prevent a lot of these yelling or aggressive scenarios because you're looking for like physical signals from the other person that it's time for you to step back. They are not ready to receive this information at this exact moment. Now, it doesn't mean like you shouldn't ever bring this up again, but it means that it's time to put a pin in the conversation because this is not going to be a very productive conversation. They're going to fight you. They're going to fight you so hard. So what I'm hearing you say is, be aware that you're not entering into the danger zone. I went yes. to I, the danger zone. Na, 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 na. Okay. I'm like, I could feel the song coming. You, you knew. You're like, like, oh God, he's going to do it. <laughs> Yeah, because well, we talk about a lot about, you know, flipping your lid Mm -hmm. where the emotional brain becomes detached from the logical brain and that's what's happening. So if we notice that in the other person, we know, hey, let's put a pin in this. Let's talk about this later. Or even for ourselves too, right? Like, granted, Mm -hmm. we're talking about talking to someone who's always defensive. So odds are very high. It's that that person is flipping their lid. But in some cases... Mm -hmm the stress of just having the conversation can make it where we flip our lid and we're Mm -hmm. also then veering off into the danger zone ourselves. Exactly. (laughs) I try not to sing Uh, again. And really hard. (laughs) I know. I'm, I'm singing in my head. I'm singing in my head. The only reason I'm not singing is I don't think I could hit that first note. And I think. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Anyway. It's still early. <laughs> it's I know still early. It, is. Like, it is. I haven't done my operatic things that I usually do in the kitchen. Like I'm walking around and I'll do this away from the microphone. It's like, oh, 
still do that, like all around the house. Like legit, like regularly, <laughs> right before we have a podcast to kind of like warm up your voice. No, I just do this randomly. Like if there's silence. <laughs> okay, I need to set up the secret cameras at your house. I want to see that. <laughs> it's just silliness. It's silliness. But silliness is a way to make people feel safe, though. If you're a silly person, you know, oh. segue it back. Sure. It does. I was going to no. say. So you're talking about a way to, I don't know, like tip number three, look for safety. Learn to look for safety. This is something that is really not talked about, I feel, in conversations. And also, I need to point out that if you want to learn more about these tips I'm doing, I am taking them from a book called Crucial Conversations, which is excellent. It is so excellent. And we'll put a link in the show notes for you. Excellent. Um, But we're excellent. Yes. Tubular. Have Sorry. You, how long have you heard that word? Joanne's like, dude. oh my God, Bree, stop with the 80s references. <laughs> I can match you beat for beat with the 80s references. Oh, you can. How but it's like, yeah. <laughs> so the thing that we're not told is that we need to work on making the other person feel safe in a conversation, especially with our kids. If we don't make our kids feel safe in a conversation, And what I mean is like not physically safe, not like the safety that like we're not going to hit them or anything. I mean, that's a given, but emotionally safe in a conversation so that they can be vulnerable with their feelings and not feel like they have to put up a wall. And this takes a lot of work, but we're going to give you four tips at the end of this podcast on how to do it. But when you're looking for safety, some signs that someone does not feel safe in the conversation, one of them is silence. If you're talking and the other person's like, mm-hmm, 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 they're not safe in the conversation and that conversation is not going to be productive and you're not going to get everything out on the table. When we look at conversations, we look at conversations as how we're contributing to the pool of meaning. We're not saying we're right. They're not saying that they're right. They are just contributing with us to this pool of meaning that then we can both make sense of what's going on. So this withholding of meaning from the pool, this silence is a sign that someone doesn't feel safe in the conversation. Interesting. Yeah. Silence is like, it's not, they're not listening to you at all. They're they're not feeling safe. What I think I tend to assume, because remember, assume, grass out of you and me, but I think I'm assuming that the other person is mad Mm. and just waiting for their chance to pounce. And that's why they're going, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Well, they're withholding information when they're doing that. They're like, and they're not listening to you either. But you're right. That's a good point of them not feeling safe in the conversation because they're just trying to think of what to say back. But also, I would probably do the same thing. If I wasn't feeling like it was a safe conversation, I would probably just be as quiet as possible trying to get it done as soon as possible so I could get out of there. Think yeah. That. And then probably complain about it to someone else. Oh, yeah. You know, Vince. because that's what I do. I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I'm like, you know what so-and-so said to me? I could not believe this. <laughs> now, let's go into masking because that I'm curious about as well. Mm-hmm. Usually we end up masking. Like it's easier to tell if you're masking than if someone else is masking. But if you are not stating your true opinions, if you're sugarcoating everything, then Mm -hmm. you're not feeling very safe in the conversation. You're withholding meaning from the pool as well. So it's better a thing to recognize in yourself. It's hard to see it in the other person. Is it like Um, beating around the bush? Yeah, like beating around the bush or being like, yeah, I was okay with that. Instead of saying like, I hated that. I hated that so much. 
I, I think that a lot of people tend to do that because they feel like they're sparing the other person's feelings. And True. then the other person has no idea how angry the, their conversation partner is. And so they'll do it again. Yeah. It doesn't help. You're right. But another way, silence, avoiding. So like steering away from sensitive topics, if it starts going to it, people will start changing the topic of conversation. That's a thing they don't feel safe. And then withdrawing, like you immediately start this conversation. They're like, oh, I forgot I have a meeting right now. Or, oh, someone texted me. I really need to get back to them. Interesting. So that's another, another way people don't feel safe. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. But the other way people don't feel safe and the way that we've been taught is violence. And it's not hitting or anything, but it's interrupting when you're talking. Speaking in absolutes. You always do this. You never do this. You that That's a form of violence in conversation. Interesting. And attacking, of course, with the verbal insults. Being yeah. like, you're stupid. I don't love you anymore, mom. I hate <laughs> you. That might have actually been a quote. <laughs> it happens in so many households. It but does. I mean, I wish... I knew this before that it's not that people are mean. They just don't feel safe. They're like right. little puppy dogs who need to yeah. be put like in a little blanket and held close. Yeah. So as a kid, it's the, I hate you. I wish that you did things differently, mom. And if it's a spouse, it's you always do this. You always overreact or you're always making a big deal. Like mm-hmm. all those things are hurtful. And yeah, so they are definitely violence in a conversation. Yeah. So now let's talk about how to make people feel safe. Because okay. while we can't always control people's reactions, we can't control True. how they how they say things. 
totally can't control it, but we can take steps to maybe minimize the reaction and to make it go a little more our way. Okay. So the first thing is to share your good intent. Share what you hope to happen. I totally agree with that. I think that that makes a huge difference, right? Because a lot of Mm -hmm. times when you're dealing with somebody defensive, they're expecting the intention to be bad, just in general. Yeah, they're expecting it's something that they did wrong and you're coming to them and telling them how horrible of a person that they are. So when you share your good intent, it it sounds something like, say, like you need to come up with a schedule that your teenage daughter will do the chores regularly. Pooper scooping the backyard, for instance. This is what comes up in our house. If I approach the conversation, be like, hey, can you go scoop or scoop the backyard? Immediately, my daughter tends to take it like, oh my gosh, I'm on it, mom. Why do you always have to nag me? Like, why do I have... And it's violence right away because <laughs> you notice the absolutes yeah. and everything. But if I come to her and I'm like, hey, I know that you are super busy. You're doing the best you can. I have some friends coming over and it's really not that great when there's poop in the backyard. I want to talk to you about this and see how we can get it done. And usually my daughter's like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Conversation's over. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, teens need a little bit like of social grace practice. So you're not expecting like, yeah, let's talk about this. And then they it's go, more of yes, a, mother. She doesn't fight me. And then they take yeah. your hand and they skip off into the meadows. Yeah. How would you share your good intent if you were having a difficult conversation, let's say about your spouse, not taking on their fair share in the household? That's a great, great question. When we look at good intent, you can start from a process of, hey, I know that when I'm really, really stressed, it affects you. And right now in the house, I feel like there is so much that I have to get done that my stress load is at an 11. I want to make sure we have a clean and organized house. I'm wondering what you want too. And like check in with them and be like, do they want a clean and organized house? What do they think is clean? What do they want out of like the situation? And really decide on this mutual goal. Okay, so if we want this like house to be clean and we want clean laundry, how can we split up the chores so that it's not all on me? And then you're working at this goal of we both want a clean house Mm -hmm. and how do we tackle the work together? Yeah. No, I think that's a really good one because I think that's not coming at it from a point of like, because I I think sometimes we want to just go straight to the point or we're upset, right? So it's the whole I have to be right thing of, okay, everything is my job. I don't feel like you never help out around the house. And I just, I'm stressed out beyond belief and we just need to fix this. So I need you to help me fix it. That's not the same way. Like, right? Like everybody's listening. The way I said that is not the way Joanne said it. So there you go. Yeah. Always look for the mutual goal, what you both want. And then the conversation will be better from there. Yeah. And then apologize when appropriate to make people feel safe. Like if you came at conversations that way before, and now you're changing how you're talking about it, it might be good to start the conversation with apologizing. Be like, hey, I know when we've talked about this before, I've really tended to blame you for making me stressed or not taking on as much of the household responsibilities. And I'm sorry for that. I want to approach this in a different way. And then see where it goes from there because you've just made them feel safe knowing that you're not going to come in and attack them. I think that's really good too. Yeah. The next one is to contrast, which is really, really great. 
Contrasting is saying what you do want out of the conversation and what you don't want out of the conversation. So in this conversation, I do want to talk about my concerns about the housework, or I do want to talk about my concerns about your grades and doing well in school. I don't want to criticize you or keep you away from doing the things you love. So when you contrast what you do want and you don't want, that don't is the most important because that don't, you want to talk to their deepest fears about what you think that they are thinking your intentions are in the conversation and why they're fighting you on it so hard. I think that's excellent. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, I'm thinking about all this in terms of the conflicts we have going on in our house right now. Like I was saying with two of our kids, like, okay, how am I going to have this conversation that way? Contrasting is one of the easiest things that people can do right now because it's such like an easy skill. Just what do you do want? What don't you want? And it helps them make them feel safe. That's something that we tell parents when they're dealing with toddlers as well, right? Like when you're going somewhere, explain the expectations, what you do want and what is okay and what is not okay. Like it's coming back to that same basic communication standard, which I think sometimes we forget as people get older. Yeah, exactly. And then the fourth one we actually mentioned already. So you've already gotten it. It's create that mutual purpose. Like what are you both wanting? What do you both want? And how can this conversation help you reach your goals? That's fantastic. That's it. That's how to make people feel safe in a conversation if you're noticing that they're pushing it back against you. I'm feeling confident and ready to go talk to my teens. Let's see how it goes. (laughs) And you don't have to think about it as one conversation either, because I mean, this is going to be a lifelong of conversations to go through. But the more you do it, the better you get at it. Exactly. If it doesn't go perfectly at first, that's how it goes. Like it doesn't go perfectly at first. You're going to stumble. This is a new skill you're learning. You can even tell them being like, hey, I want to have better conversations with you. And I'm learning this. So I'm going to make mistakes and I'm just going to come and try again because I want a really great relationship with you. Also, kids know when you switch tactics and they get really suspicious, especially teenagers. Like they'll look at you and be like, I know what you're doing, mom. You're doing something on me right now. And so when you just call it out and say what your intentions are, it makes it easier. True that, man. True that. (laughs) True that. (laughs) So if you do not feel safe talking to someone, here is how to make them feel safe. Remember to share your good intent. Apologize when appropriate. Contrast as necessary. Say what you do want to do in the conversation and what you don't want to do in the conversation. And then create that mutual purpose and goal. So you're talking about that versus criticizing each other or saying what each other does and doesn't do. I love it. I love it. We're all ready to have this conversation now with that defensive person in our life because we all have at least one. At least one. Yes. And if you're really interested in this, highly recommend the book, Crucial Conversations. And or come join us in Balance VIP because we work on healthy communication styles all the time. Yeah, all the time. Come join us in Balance. We have a link for that as well. And until next time, remember the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? 
This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.